I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I feel, what it feels like is, at all times, I'm barely clinging on to reality. And I can let go at any point, but I stop myself from doing it. At all times, I'm stopping myself from leaving reality. Okay. Which scares me. Hello and welcome to this episode of Weird Tales and the Unexplainable with me, Adam Tissington. Who are you? Beef. And Bob Shoy. Excellent. Uh, today we're talking about the psychedelic experience. Whoa, hang on, I thought we were doing demonic possession. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Beef, you can explain guys. that. Yeah, I needed a little bit more time to prepare my episode. I want to make sure it's pucker, so... Uh... Surprise host, <laughs> Adam Tiss. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything before we start? So, hang on a sec. So, what's your episode? Psychedelic experience. Um, when you first said to me that you, when you said, "Oh, my next episode's going to be psychedelic experience," a few weeks back, I was mm-hmm. like, "What? Where'd that one come from?" Because ages ago we talked about all topics we were going to cover, and that was nowhere to be seen, and yeah. that came from nowhere. Yeah, and it's not a topic I ever considered amongst like weird tales and the unexplainable, mm-hmm. other than people saying like, "Oh man, I had a weird trip. I saw, yeah, you know, I don't know, an alien." Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm unimaginative <laughs> of me. That was your go-to <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, obviously, that's a weird story, but it's all having a trip. So, what do you mean when you say your topic is well, the psychedelic experience? Well, it's going to be covering. Um, there are lots of psychedelic drugs, obviously, but. It's more covering mushrooms and DMT, right? Uh, because that's just the ones that I've researched the most. What's DMT? DMT is dimethyltryptamine, mm. which is, is uh, it can be it can be found um, in everything. Everything that lives on the planet has uh, dimethyltryptamine in it. But as a drug, it's like it can come as a powder, or you can it can be the active ingredient in ayahuasca, which is a a brew found in the Amazon. How do you, if it's in everything, mm-hmm. how do you turn it into a drug? Well, it's in everything. It's in us. Yeah. It's in our brain as well. But uh, for the drug, they use um, a vine called Banisterius, uh, Banisteriapsis kappa, mm-hmm. which is an MAO inhibitor, right. which if you, if you eat DMT, your gut destroys the DMT. Right. So um, this inhibits the things that destroy it, okay. So the DMT can be orally active, and you eat it. You can no, you drink. Oh, you drink. You it. drink it, 
but you can also smoke DMT, like refined DMT. Um, I'm not sure how you make it, but it's like a powder. And you can smoke that, and that obviously the gut won't destroy that. It will just go straight into your your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, when you smoke it, DMT is like lasts about 15 minutes. Okay. And that's I've not, got that sounds like a lot of effort for a short experience. Yeah. How hard is it to get oh. hold of DMT? Because I've never, if I've been uh, at a nightclub, you know, there's people doing drugs and stuff. Yeah. Um. You know, nightclubs I hang out in anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah. if I ever go to a nightclub and been to a nightclub in about yeah. seven years yeah um, <laughs> but when I used to go to nightclubs um, you know you'd get people on drugs but I've never been in a nightclub and someone's like I've got some DMT yeah DMT and mushrooms aren't recreational drugs <laughs> I could get hold of mushrooms if I wanted to guys I could get hold of mushrooms if I wanted to okay but I wouldn't have a clue where to get hold of DMT um, yeah DMT is really hard to get hold of right it's the most illegal drug. But it's in us. Yeah, it's in us. That's when you the, say it's that's in the irony. Us. When you say it's in everything. We create DMT endogenously. Is it in like this microphone? Is it it in no, this no microphone? I mean like organic mass. So right, it okay. like a, it's like a chemical. Yeah. What we, is the chemical what we in know, your body? What does the chemical do? What we know is about DMT is we produce it endogenously. Um, we produce it most at night. Mm. where a lot of people think it's linked to why we dream. Oh. Um, also, it's released when you're born and when you die. Weird. It's released under great trauma, from endogenously, that is. Okay, so and that makes sense with the dream thing, mm-hmm. but apart from dreaming, mm-hmm. what what does it what does it do? What's that it, is literally uh, it. So we don't... We, so what you're saying is there's not much evidence of what the purpose of it is at the minute we don't really know what it does um, I'm sure they scientists know more than I do about it but all I know is that I'm sure of that as well it's released when you're born when you die and you produce it most at night which is why they link it to dreams sometimes and so what you're saying is when you so if I was to drink a nice hot cup of DMT, ayahuasca, <laughs> yeah, right, uh, yeah, I wasn't listening to that bit. Yeah, okay. so when when I do that, mm-hmm. it then reacts with the stuff that's already in my body, and sorry, this is like showing how uneducated I am. Is that so is that where trips react- then come from? Like your reaction to that reaction inside of you. The DMT latches onto the receptors, which uh, basically it's between like the... Um, it's like the imaginary part of your brain and the bra- and the part of the brain that links to body work. It's these receptors. I'll try and get... I'll get a clip up which explains the science no, behind no, it I, a I bit think better. you're getting... You, I'm getting there. When, when you... I think um, it's the serotonin receptors. I might be wrong. When you take DMT, mm-hmm. is it a similar thing to taking mushrooms, but on like a heightened scale? Um, in terms of what you experience, kind of. It's totally, it's totally different from right. a layman's terms. Yes, in a very right. basic okay. terms. And basically, like they're the if you want psychedelics, it's mushrooms and DMT, but they are so far apart. It's yeah, they're similar but far apart. They're totally they're different. The, they're the things that you're going to get psychedelics from. Yeah, I mean, acids, 
Alright, okay. weird. There's loads of psychedelics. What but... is it that made you want to do an episode about the psychedelic experience? Uh, it's just something that interests me. There's... Where did your interest come from? Uh, Terence like... McKenna. Right, okay. I'm sure. There's a philosopher. Okay. Um... So we, what, we listen to podcasts and you're like, this is really interesting. I yeah, lots of lectures. I mean, he was he died way before podcasts were even invented. Well, yeah, okay. But so, they, they get compiled into podcasts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just something that really interests me. Mm-hmm. And as I've dug deeper down the rabbit hole, it's just, it's crazy. And hopefully in this pod, I can give you guys a little taste. You're going to send us down the rabbit hole? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Am I going to have to choose between a red pill and a blue pill? Am I going to have to choose between mm. a red mushroom and a blue mushroom? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We're going to learn something. This is nodding. I'd say so. <laughs> it's an audio <laughs> medium. So DM- DMT, we're do- so we guess we'll start with DMT. Right. I've got a clip of Terence McKenna, him take... So DMT, I've told you, you can smoke it, you can take ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is usually taken in Peru, South America. It's been used for thousands of years. Right. Um, so what is, by shamans what's the unexplainable aspect of the psychedelic experience uh, the unexplainable is that I mean you guys would probably say they're hallucinations yeah that's unexplainable right they could not be un- uh, hallucinations right you know it, we are hallucinating now explain well our body is a drug we are running on drugs constantly we are hallucinating everything we see. This reality that we are seeing isn't reality as we know it. On a quantum level, everything is waves and vibrations. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and matter. Right, and okay. So reality that we're seeing is our brain's hallucination okay. of what is actually there. Creating something logical for us to interact yeah, yeah. with. Yeah, so the reason drugs work is because we're already on drugs. We're just taking in external drugs and the hallucination could be just that it could be the brain you know making these hallucinations or it could be an external factor taking us to anything higher dimensions anything but surely the the reason that i can see you now mm-hmm. is because you're made up of mass and you're made up of trillions and trillions and billions of particles and lots of different things mm-hmm. and that's my so what you're saying is my brain is projecting, like... Your brain is assembling and then reassembling what you're seeing. Okay. It's not... You know, this isn't... This wood isn't actually like this. This this is like... You know, wood isn't this. We just make it look like this. If we didn't exist, the world wouldn't look like this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Without eyes, this isn't the world. The world is just light and... Well, light wouldn't exist. The sun wouldn't be light unless we existed to make it. Do you see like what I mean? Oh, right. No, see, I've, I've actually read something similar to this. Hmm. I know what you're getting at. Really interesting. Um, it might have been in the documentary I mentioned on episode one, the Parallel Lives and Parallel Worlds documentary. Hmm. And they're saying things don't exist unless there's an observer to view them. Yeah, like That's your a van. scientific principle. Like your van right now. Yeah. Is the it... observer creates the object that yeah, it wouldn't yeah. exist if it wasn't observed. Mm. It would be nothing. But it still yeah. exists. It's still there. Not as, it done, not, still as, there. not as it is, though. Yeah, not as you perceive it. Witnessing it, but having an observer mm. makes it exist. Is if there's the... nothing to view it, there's nothing there. Is this the same mm. as um, if a tree falls in the woods and there's well, yeah, no one almost. else around to hear it? Yeah, totally. In a weird way, yeah. 
But it still makes a noise. <laughs> well, it doesn't. But there's no noise because no one's heard it. Makes it makes a vibration. We make the noise. Yeah. There yeah. has to be an ear there has to be for an a observer. noise to exist. Because noise, noise is like... <laughs> No, I, I do. I do completely get what you. Yeah, I do. I I do agree. With, yeah, because if we're not looking at something, you know, if, there's so many more things than us in the world. So an ant looks at something and it's assembling it, but it doesn't mean that that is as as we're seeing it. Yeah, we sense? perceive things. Yeah, the way you perceive things is going to be different. It's yeah, like when I people say maybe everyone in the world sees colours different to each other. My wife says that all the time. It blows she's mind. like, she's like, the way I see pink might not be the same way you see pink. Yeah. So someone else might see brown as being like, oh, girly pink. And it's actually brown to them or something. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Tiss hasn't bought mushrooms, but he's going to try and make us trip through words only. Yeah, I feel like I'm already tripping. There's something called synesthesia, uh, yeah. which Dennis McKenna talks about, actually, which is... Some people are born with the ability to see letters as as person like to link different feelings to different you know really so you can taste man. colors and you can give a personality to a letter and textures to numbers. That's something I would it's, love to look yeah. into more because that really interests me. Synesthesia. synesthesia if we could get, if we could get someone who has synesthesia, but synesthesia is on the show. I'd fucking love it. Essentially. The psychedelic experience that is part of the psychedelic oh. experience because when you're on these agents you you do see you know you do hear um you see what you say right that makes it you can see sounds yeah okay. and you can hear it's a whoa, 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 hang on say what you see say, say what you see but not um, not every time so i'm just saying that people have different experiences so what, what's this what's the science behind this Synesthesia thing. What's it called? The science. Yeah. What's it? What is? It? I don't understand mm-hmm. how that would, like, uh, how does that come about? Is it just like you're born with your senses cross-wired? Because well, yeah. only some people get it. Well, is it super maybe? Yeah, maybe it's an advantage. Mm. Well, I don't know. It's pretty. Weird, I think that really annoy me. If I could always see, I don't. I don't ever want to... coming from my voice. I don't want to be sitting around tasting brown. <laughs> <laughs> but if you said it would annoy you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to perceive what it would be like to not feel that. Oh, so existing wouldn't you wouldn't be annoyed to exist mm-hmm. unless you'd existed. But people before. people who have it are aware they have it. They they say like oh, I can taste color, I can yeah. smell um, brown, <laughs> I can smell browns. Synesthesia is something I need to look into more because I I only know the the theory of it. Mm. And the the application. I've not read any tributes from people who have got it or how it would. I feel like we're all over the map because this is. I feel like the episode is the structure of a psychedelic experience, where we're just going off on tangents. But I like it. I like conversational episodes, which is every episode. Which is every episode, yeah. So let's rewind. What were we talking about before synesthesia? There was a question. I can't remember what it was. We were just talking about DMT. Well, we were talking about I said what made it unex- what made you choose it as okay. a topic about what makes it unexplainable, and then you said, um, "Well, everything is a hallucination." Hmm. Um, well, everything. <laughs> let's broaden it out. Every life is unexplainable. Yeah. So anything within it is unexplainable. Oh, well, completely. And um, so our episode ten isn't mm-hmm. rich. We haven't announced yet. So, but our episode ten isn't. Um, 
an unexplainable topic. It's not ghosts or aliens, but mm. the whole concept of it, I'll beep it out. The whole concept and is completely unexplainable, mm. and that's why we're going to cover it. Yeah. But it's a secret, so I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said it perfectly, just so you could beep it out. Mm. So yeah, there's a mystery behind these hallucinogens and the experience, and to explain the way the brain works without taking into account these experiences wouldn't be true, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. These, these are unaccounted for. You, the science has no answer for these. Well, they do, but it's not really a definitive answer. They've just sort of slapped mm. hallucination on it and, and left yeah, it. Yeah, science doesn't have an answer for everything. And the problem is because these substances are illegal... The only the the main thing prohibition has done hasn't limited people taking it. That's for sure. Is that it has limited science using it to explore what oh, okay. it is? Yeah, you see what I mean? It's, yeah. So it's only limited the research. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, so if someone goes to the effort to like track down some DMT to mm-hmm. use it, yeah, what are they in search of? Because I don't feel like this is like I say, some guy in a nightclub. Doing a drug, there they you have to go for significant steps to get hold of this. Most people that take DMT, I mean, I I've never been offered it. Mm-hmm. It's not the sort of thing you'd really be offered. It's not addictive. No, that's what right? I mean. You're not going to go it's to a club and someone offer drug. it. Yeah, you have to go out your way to um, get it. So what are they in search pe- of? People who know, people who are in the circles, know how to get it. Basically, right. you have to. It's it's hard. If that's what I mean. You'd have to if you heard about it. You can just be like, oh, I know someone that does that. Because it's all, like, I can just be like, oh. Ayahuasca is the main one. If so you what, wanted to go to Ayahuasca, then you'd go to... But what are they in search of when they're like, okay, I need to get hold of some DMT because I need that... Is it just the experience of it? And yeah, why isn't yeah. mushrooms enough? Now we're going to ask them to try and That's say... That's right Yeah, there. like, what's the difference? But you like the you said before you couldn't. Um, amongst users, the main difference that I've seen that I've heard of is that mushrooms give an almost asexual experience like you're in the presence of an asexual alien being that maybe you're contact you're being you're in communication with an uh, extraterrestrial being right uh also of course uh-huh. <laughs> also some people um experience mushrooms as like you know divinitive like, uh, like godly. Well, you. That's interesting. You're going to get into mushrooms soon, though, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll save my question back for that. Um. So, shall I play this clip? Mm. What's the What's the clip? This is Terence McKenna describing his DMT trip. Okay, I'd love to hear that. You take two hits in a situation where your clothes have been loosened and you can just flop backward uh, when you need to. You take two hits. Now, many people miss the point because after two hits, you feel completely peculiar. You feel as though your body is undergoing some strange kind of anesthesia. All the air has been pumped out of the room. This is the visual acuity thing I talked about last night. The colors jump up. The edges sharpen. It's, uh, and at that point, people say, whoa, wow, it's really coming on strong. And then what you have to do is you have to take one more enormous hit. And this separates the intrepid from the casual, believe me. Because most people, and, and 
the facilitator doesn't want to lean on the person. You say, you know, damn it, take the third hit. And say, no, I feel completely weird. Say, I know you feel weird, but take the third hit. Well, if you can coax somebody into that, then what happens is you close your eyes and you see the ordinary warm brown back, you know, closed eyelid scenario. And then these colors begin racing together and it forms this mandalic, floral, slowly rotating thing, which I call the chrysanthemum. This is a, a place in the trip that you want to see as you go by it. The chrysanthemum forms and you watch it for like 15 seconds. If it doesn't give way, then you didn't do enough. You have to do more. One more hit usually will do it. Well then what happens is it like physically propels you through this chrysanthemum-like thing and you there's a sound like a, a saran wrap bread wrapper being crumpled up and thrown away, you know, that crackle. A friend of mine says, this is your radio intellecti leaving through the anterior fontanelle at the top of your head. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's, it's something is being... Yeah, right, that's what it is. Uh, and then there's this very, uh, very defined sense of bursting through something, a membrane. And on the other side, and this is now, remember, my experience, on the other side, as, as you break through, there's a cheer. There's a, 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 a whole bunch of entities waiting on the other side. And they, you know that Pink Floyd song, the gnomes have learned a new way to say hooray. Well, it's that place. It's those gnomes. And you burst into this space, and, um, and they're saying, how wonderful that you're here. You come so rarely. We're so delighted to see you. And the, one of the things about the MT that's really puzzling is, in a sense, it doesn't affect your mind. In other words, you don't change. For instance, if you take ketamine, the first thing you notice, the very first thing you notice before the trip hits is you notice that you no longer are anxious about having taken ketamine. You just sort of anxiety leaves you. That means it's affecting your mind. It's doing something to the judgmental machinery. DMT doesn't lay a hand on the judgmental machinery. You, you break through into that space exactly who you were before breaking through. And the usual reaction of most people is something like, You know, and you think, God, heartbeat, normal, pulse, normal, everything's normal, yeah, everything's normal, oh, God. Because these things are there, and they're hammering at you, and they come forward. They're like jeweled, self-dribbling basketballs. And there are, there are many of them, and they come pounding toward you, and they will stop in front of you and vibrate, but then they do a very disconcerting thing, which is they jump into your body. 
they jump into your body, and then they jump back out again. And the whole thing is going on in this very high-speed mode where you're being presented with thousands of details per second, and you can't get a hold on, you say, you know, my God, what's happening? And these things are saying, don't abandon yourself to amazement which is exactly what you want to do. You just want to go nuts with how crazy this is. They say, don't do that. Don't do that. Pay attention. Pay attention to what we're doing. Well, what are they doing? Well, what they're doing is they're making objects with their voices. They're singing structures into existence. These things are, and what they will do is they'll come toward you and then, and you have to understand, they don't have arms, so we're kind of downloading this into a lower dimension to even describe it. But what they do is they offer things to you. Say, look at this, look at this. And as your attention goes toward these objects, you realize that what you're being shown is impossible. It's impossible. It's not simply intricate, beautiful, and hard to manufacture. It's impossible to make these things. The nearest analogy would be to the Fabergé eggs or something like that. But these things are like the toys that are scattered around the nursery inside a UFO or something. Celestial toys. And they are, the toys themselves appear to be somehow alive. The toys themselves can uh, sing other objects into existence. So what's happening is there's just this proliferation of elf gifts. And the elf gifts are moving around, singing, and the whole thing is directed toward, they're saying, do what we are doing. And they're very insistent. They say, do it, do it, do it. And you feel like a bubble. Or, and now this is subjective. I mean, only a, you know five percent report this, but it happens to me. You feel like some kind of bubble inside your body that's beginning to move up toward your mouth, and when it comes out, it isn't sound; it's vision. You begin. To, you you discover that you can pump stuff out of your mouth by singing, and they're urging you to do this. They say, "That's it." That's it. Keep doing it. And the whole thing is like, you know, we're now at minute 4.5 with this stuff. And uh, you speak in a kind of glossolalia. There's a spontaneous outpouring of syntax unaccompanied by what is normally called meaning. It's sort of, uh, you know, he ding wow walks up to the mood get. And this is accompanied by a, a modality, something seen. And they're saying, yes, do it, do it, do it. And then after a minute or so of this, the whole thing begins to collapse in on itself. And they literally begin to physically move away from you. And usually their final shot is they actually wave goodbye and they say, déjà vu, déjà vu, which makes no sense at all if you analyze it. So then you come down. 
and you're now at minute six to seven, and you come down, and it's like being more loaded than you've ever been. It's like about a 700 mic acid trip, but you embrace it as totally down. You say, I'm totally down. I mean, you look, you look like a termite from Arturus, and the room is uh, decorated in Amish quilts, but I'm completely back. <laughs> and uh, then, over a minute or a minute and a half or so, the room just comes right back together. And, and four minutes after that, some people can give no account of it whatsoever. They just say, Ugh. You know, I, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing that ever happened to me, and I, I can't remember it now. We think that, Beth. I can just see you shaking your head at certain points. That's what I wanted your initial reaction about the proliferation of elf gifts. Um, I've had weirder dreams. Had weirder dreams. Have you? I, I, I kind of um was expecting. I mean, it was weird, mm. but I was expecting it to be a lot more intense than what he describes. Like, what he described, I've heard people say that's what happened to them when they've taken mushrooms. Yeah. So, um, so... All the way through, all I was thinking was, the reason I've never done anything like this Mm -hmm. is because I know I'd get it wrong. (laughs) Get it wrong. I'd end up on a bad trip. Or I'd be the one. I'd be the one you read about in the papers that died after taking this like, a drug or something. But I get the impression that he's not just saying it's a hallucination. No, 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 he's not. No, he's saying this is real. You're actually going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Sorry, I'm talking with my mouth full on the podcast. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think Terence says either way whether it's hallucination or 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 real. It's well, he just doesn't use the word at all. What? He doesn't say hallucination at all, does he? No, he just says no, he told no. that. Yeah, you go there, yeah. But he's just describing it like a dream. You wouldn't say I dreamt. You'd be like, oh, I did this, I did that. Hmm. What did you think? I've listened to it before, but um, interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm being test. <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's... Like nothing, I have never done a hallucinogenic drug, mm-hmm. and like you say, what not necessarily I'll be the one that gets it wrong. The reason I've shied away from doing a hallucinogenic drug is because I feel like I'm stuck on a trip that I can't get off if I want to, and I have restrictive claustrophobia, so that it plays into that. If I can't get off something, I'll freak mm. out, and I don't want to freak out while I'm on <laughs> hallucinogenic drugs. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. So if I want to get off the trip and I can't. It really would go bad for me. Mm. I mean, if I fucking get my arm caught in a jumper and can't get off, it goes bad for me. So I can't fucking yeah. <laughs> take a mushroom. Do you know what I mean? DMT sounds like the one if you were going to do it, because it's only like 10 minutes. Yeah, but it seems like so the most long. intense. That's so long. If that's wrong, if during those 10 minutes, but like if you're terrified, 10 seconds is long enough. Hmm. So to be terrified or feel out of control. <laughs> I remember when you had to minutes. stand at the front of the class and do a talk for like three minutes. It was li- it was like the longest amount of time ever. Mm. But yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean I haven't got any clips for ayahuasca, but ayahuasca is DMT but prolonged. It's a four hour DMT trip. Oh, that it's not awful. It's not as intense. The DMT trip when you smoke it is like it's like 
the same information over four hours in 15 minutes. So I sort of um, asked this before, and then we got sidetracked in that, but when these guys, especially who are taking it in a scientific... I feel like people take this in a scientific way, like I want to experience and investigate this. Yeah. But if when they take it and they have these 15-minute trips, hmm. what are they in search of? Of what, just a good trip, or are they... Well, different people, different things. Uh, yeah, I think for DMT, it's like just to see what it is, to see what happens. I mean, people don't take it every day. No. If you take DMT, a lot of the people that I've heard on podcasts and stuff, they do it like once a year, maybe once every six months. You said some people take it. Yeah. And they literally can't even comprehend what happened to them. Yeah. And it takes them... It's like a dream. It's it can like, take them, like, days, weeks to recover. Well, not to recover, just to... To, to, to remember what Even process. get their head around what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean. It's like it's like watching a really complicated film, I guess. Mm. But like... <laughs> and then two days later, on some work, you're like, I get it now! Yeah, yeah, it's definitely... It's, it's a lot of information. A lot of information. How good is that feeling, though? You know when you watch a really weird, complicated film... And then you sit there puzzling, and then when it all clicks into place, you're like, oh, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It must well, be like that. Imagine that, but no one will ever experience that again, you know? In the way you do. Because every, so every time you do it... Every trip is be, different. Really? Every trip is different. See, that's what that's what really concerns yeah, me. I can imagine because... some of them are really bad. Bye yeah, by, exactly. Bye-bye the clowns, bad day. See, I wouldn't... What he described, at no point... When he was talking about it, did I sit there and think, this sounds amazing. Like, I would love to experience... It just, like, <laughs> neutral. It was just like, if yeah. it happened, I'd be sat there like, huh. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I can also imagine that there must be stories where it's, like, horrendous. DMT, um, the smoked form, I've not heard any bad trips. You, what you said about singing things... Because it's things... so much information at one point, it's hard to really let the fear set in. It's so astonished by the power of it you just like mm. what you said about singing things into existence mm. um i've read grant morrison books yeah where characters sing things into existence yeah yeah and surely that's well the uh silmarillion uh i think i'm pronouncing that right that's a tolkien book yeah the oh yeah that's... middle earth is sung into existence yeah by a chorus of gods well that's that's where a lot of religions get their um creation theology is that um whatever god it is either spoke or sang the world into oh, into really? order into existence hmm. so, so in genesis it talks about god saying See, let there be light and oh then, so he literally was just like oh, yeah yeah that man yeah, okay but in, a, in other in other faiths it's the same it's the same it's the same I kind never of thing thought of it like that. that's really interesting Oh, I want some animals. And literally just from him saying it, bam. Whatever he was thinking is there. Giraffe, yeah. Wow. Exactly like that. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, I wasn't, and I really wasn't having a go. I just, at no point, I sat there, I was like, this is really, really interesting. But none of it, all of it's just, Hmm. like, I can imagine, um, it reminded me of uh, Bill Bailey, when he describes... Yeah, acid, and he's like, I just you sit there, it's like, it's just shapes and colours, and yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it depends. But yeah, I, that's, I can imagine some trips must be like the most joyful, a amazing lot of things. The ayahuasca trips, the prolonged DMT, is more of a people do it uh, maybe once a year or something to reset. It sort of resets them and it sort of takes them back to. Um, it's funny the the reoccurring theme with ayahuasca is Mother Earth. They, I haven't got a clip, but uh, they always describe it as like a mother, a mother figure. Mm. And it's like mother nature. And it's like a lot of people feel like a connection to nature and the world and the earth after taking ayahuasca. But ayahuasca itself, talking about bad trips, the DMT, obviously, I've not heard of bad trips. But ayahuasca, you can, I'm pretty sure every ayahuasca trip is a well, this was going to Bad be my trip. question. This was going to be my question to you is I don't, I've never looked into any of this at all. Mm. I've never taken any drugs in my life just because I haven't had like a desire to really. I've been offered stuff, but I haven't really mm. done it. So I, I, like, you must have heard or read stories of like horrendous trips that you're like, Man, that's that's really bad. It's weird though. Uh, the bad trips, like the ayahuasca bad trips, a lot of the people that have the bad trips, they're not. They're kind of bad, but they're good. They say the bad trips are the ones the most because when you take these drugs, it refocuses. If you're trying to hide something, like you've got like this, you've got insecurities or this and that, it will just shine a light on it, and it will take you through it, like like PTSD sufferers, you know, it will shine a light on that and it will let you come to terms with it. And a lot of people say, even though it's a bad trip, they'll come out of it and they'll feel relieved and and free from a lot of things. See, if I had a bad trip, I wouldn't. I'd be like, I'm not doing that again. You say it's like letting go, like seeing the world for what it really is. Hmm. I don't think I want to. No. I'm, quite I'm happy in ignorance. Do you know what I mean? If this is what I see the world as, but there's more to it, mm. I feel like I'm not ready to see more. But what would you? What would you be afraid of seeing? In I'm scared of losing control. I think because um, sometimes I sit there and I feel like I could trip without even taking anything. Mm. I can phase out almost, like I can almost like leave my body. I could do it now if I wanted to, but I've never seen it through because mm. I'm like, would I just faint? What would happen to me? If I sit in my bedroom and just stare at a wall, I can... I don't know if that's what meditation is. I've never seen it through. I've never known what would happen to me if I just mm. kept going. Because mm. every time I start doing it, I don't want to do that. Mm. Could be. I don't know what that is. I can do it now. I did it when we was listening to that Terence McKenna thing. Yeah, yeah, I was staring yeah. at the thing. If I can stare at something, I can feel my brain leave my body, but then I have to st- jolt back. Yeah, yeah. I don't... And I've never seen it through because I don't want to know. Mm. I think that, I think that's me. the point, though. I think that's definitely a good point. If psychedelics aren't for everyone, no. I don't think everyone should go out and take mushrooms or DMT. But I think people that do, like myself, I have a lot. I'm very interested in beyond, like mm. really interested. Like I'm I, interested, but I want to hear someone else tell me what it was. But well, would you, would you say that, I'm not um, the astronaut? I'm the person who wants who wants <laughs> to hear what the astronaut said. Mm. Tell me what you saw. And yeah, then you might yeah. do it then. Yeah, I don't want to spend years in space. I want you to go and tell me what it was yeah. like when you got back, and I'll sit and mm. play computer games while you're gone. But one, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you all the great games and films you missed. Yeah. <laughs> one, um, one thing I was thinking was, um, see, for me, when I when I pray, mm-hmm. like if I if I spend time just praying to myself for a while, 
Um, that for me, like, I I get the most overwhelming sense of peace. That's the only way I can describe mm. it. Like, and I feel I feel weightless, and I feel um, if I had anything that was like, on my mind, it just yeah, I can't I can't um, like explain how peaceful I feel. Like mm. that makes sense. So. Like it's funny when you said about you staring at your bedroom wall and like almost feel like you might go into like a trance like. I feel state like thing. it's you know um, I feel like if I kept going, my body would crumple would, and I'd be out of my body. Mm. It would cr- like a like a carrier bag. Which... Yeah, I don't want to see my body crumple. It's interesting. <laughs> Maybe I should I'd see love it to know what that is. That's I don't know. Very interesting. Be like a because it sounds like. Um, people that have or, or are into psychedelic drugs, mm-hmm. where, like where you say, oh, they they might do it like once or twice a year. To the, to me, it sounds like when they explain their trips, it sounds like a religious experience for them. It sounds mm, like yeah, a meditative. Definitely. It's a shortcut to meditation. Definitely, a lot of a, a cheat lot code. Of, for well, meditation. yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of people think that. Uh, well, a lot of people who meditate say, oh, why would you take psychedelics when you could do it without psychedelics? A lot of people who take psychedelics would say, why would you meditate when, you know, I've got the the shortcut? Uh, and some people say, why not do both? I'm one of them. I like meditation. I like I like the other side of it as well. You meditate Whatever well, gets right? you there, yeah. yeah. yeah so when when you, med- you meditate, sorry, mm. when you meditate, is it like what I said? Like you sit there and you leave yourself. Maybe I can meditate. Well, are hand. you using your imagination to leave yourself, or is it just happening without? I I can just do. It. I feel like well, that's what I mean. I've never you let myself go through it. it. I feel what it feels like is at all times I'm barely clinging on to reality, and I can let go at any point. But I stop okay. myself from doing it. That's interesting. At all times, I'm stopping myself from leaving reality. Okay. Which scares me because I feel like maybe I could go mad. Like the the what? Actually, I want to save this for the. So what scares me mm. is going mad. Mm. I feel like I could go insane. Like I could feel like I could let go of this reality and I'd be insane. I don't know if my, in my brain I wouldn't feel like I was mad. Mm. I might feel like um, I was enlightened and I could see everything and everyone's like, he's a gibbering mess, he's mad. Mm. I don't know if it's a path to enlightenment. Mm. But I feel like I'm barely clinging on to reality. I might go mad one day, guys. I might go insane. <laughs> I'm going to get sectioned. You're going to be queuing up to get me sectioned. <laughs> so when you when you meditate, yeah. So if I explain to you, like you, when, what happens um, when I meditate? I suppose you call it meditation. Um, so like when I meditate, um, and I know other people at church do it as well. It's like it's for a purpose. So. Um, people might pick like a Bible verse mm-hmm. and just, just like lie there and just close your eyes and just, and you, you like, it's almost like you're chewing the cuds. You're like going through it. And, you're repeating uh, it. It's like a mantra. Um, kind of, but it's more a case of, um, you're kind of praying at the same time and you're trying to get as much out of the verse as you can. And in the process, that's where, I, that's where I feel like sometimes you can just feel this like, and I've I've been in church services where it's happened and you can you feel you can hear everything around you you can hear people talking but it feels like you're detached from mm. you're not it feels like you're detached from that mm. and I, okay so if someone came and like shook me then obviously I would but, but 
when you when you're in that state, what's your body like? I always think you can't really your body's you're you're aware of like your spatial. I suppose um, I describe it as your spatial awareness. Are is you still just sitting there, there drooling? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's no, that's not no. It's um, no. You're aware of your body. But you're sort of, um, it's like beyond relaxation. So you're not aware of, um, and I guess Tis, like, help me out if, I don't know how much you've meditated. I'm a very beginner at meditation. So you've done it a lot before. I'm, how do uh, you feel when you meditate? What happens to you? What? Well, I'm still learning how to meditate. Um, but, but what's the... The general practice that we follow is, it's, it's all about imagination. Using your imagination. Is it... Um, so obviously, like I say, when I when I, which isn't very often, but if I if I have like time to do it, or I really want to, or like there's a purpose for it, um, I think that's my point. When you meditate, mm-hmm. is there like a purpose? Are you like Bob says? Are you searching for something, or is it just like a? I need to connect with. What... For me, it's um, all of all of the above. Health, healthy. It's healthy to meditate. Yeah, I heard a lot. A lot of people will do it for health reasons, for sure. they? Where it's just like to take time to, for your body to just. Yeah, yeah. It's, breathe. Uh, it's all about like mindfulness, really. It's just when you meditate. Is so you're saying okay? Um, back to actually the psychedelic experience. Yeah, because yeah, this yeah. is really really interesting. We're really off topic. Um, when you meditate. Yeah. You said that people can take DMT or mushrooms or whatever and it's like hallucinating and they're like why would you meditate this is a shortcut so you're saying when you when people meditate they can it can lead to hallucination it can well. it, it can get you into these higher states and that can lead to a psychedelic experience from meditating oh definitely yeah, yeah. have you ever have, have you had ever... a psychedelic experience from meditating no, no no are you in search of that uh well I wouldn't say no <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't reject Wait. it but um yeah I'm not I don't know Meditation and psychedelics are two separate entities for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess but, when you mm. when you when you want to go after a trip, I suppose. Mm. Like for me, if I was going to take psychedelic drugs, it would be just to see what would happen, and mm. just to try and just because I want to experience it. If I was meditating, mm. it's for complete. Yeah, it would be for health reasons or to like de-stress yourself. Meditation. It's really weird when I explain it like this, but it's like if I meditate in the mornings. Throughout the day, I'll be making a lot better decisions and maybe keeping my cool a lot better than if I didn't. It's like having a... Well, I don't know about that, but... (laughs) Okay, yeah, we're back. We just had a little break to eat some uh, Chinese food and now Tiss is going to talk about mushrooms. Cool. So, um, what do you guys know about magic mushrooms? Psilocybin Um, cubensis. I've never eaten them. Okay. Seen them. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been in the presence of anyone who's been taking them. Strange. No, I've never... I've never... I know you eat them. Yeah. Uh, I've never... You can cook them, right? Can you cook with magic mushrooms? Um, Or just eat them as they are? Make a nice... You can eat them. Could you make, like, a stroganoff? You can put them in anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know much about that. I just know that you you eat them. (laughs) And you get a trip. Yeah, and that it's yeah, stuff happens. Cool. Um, I don't like the idea of putting chemicals in my body. Okay. So I've never done any chemical narcotics. I've asked to play devil's advocate though. Yeah. 
there's plenty of chemicals that you do, like caffeine. Yeah. Okay, well, if you're going to be you... pedantic and call caffeine a drug, and... Um, well, well... Just because you're vegan, mate. That's not pedantic, though, because caffeine is a, an, a state-altering drug, right? It's just because I said I get ratty if I well, don't no, no, just No, but, well, that backs it up. But in general, it <laughs> is actually a state-altering drug. I'm not saying this is bad. Or as it def- I definitely feel more alert mushrooms. once I've had caffeine. Yeah, like if yeah. I go to site and I don't have a coffee beforehand, mm. I, I have way less energy. I um, I don't I don't need it, and I don't like I can go for days without having a cup of tea. Mm. Um, I, I very in fact, unless I'm in my building at work, so not, my work involves going around in the community. If I'm if I'm in a building. Uh, like tomorrow morning, I'll get there and I'll stick the kettle on, and it like settles me for the day. But I don't feel like it gives me an energy. I don't. I don't know. Probably does, but I don't notice it so much as other people. I've got people that I are like literally it. addicted, and they can't go like longer than half an hour without a coffee. I notice it in the morning. If I get to work and have a coffee, it gives me a little boost at the start of the day. But I also have a coffee to relax when I get home from work. Every day I get home from work, flick the kettle on. I take a cup of coffee and some biscuits and lay on my bed because I'm exhausted after work and I lay on my bed and have a coffee and some biscuits and normally read for about half an hour. Um, you said read day, as if it was like an embarrassing habit. Read, yeah, read with a coffee. And I actually find that relaxing when I get in from work. So, But don't you think that's the reading? I find reading a really relaxing hobby. Hmm. And uh, Stephen King, I think, did you tell me that he smoked cigarettes? Uh, you, we were talking about Stephen King, but you actually said that. Oh, I said that. Yeah, I yeah. must have been from a podcast. He smokes cigarettes to uh, induce an altered state mm. to, for his writing. He struggles to write without smoking a cigarette. And he's someone who's very um, authoritative with his writing. He'll write every single day because he treats it like a job. Mm. So if he struggles to write, I don't know, no wonder I've never written a book. So Tiss, <laughs> tell us about Mushrooms. Okay, so went off track a little bit again. <laughs> but there's loads about mushrooms. I mean, there there's so many things to do with mushrooms that we could talk for hours. Well, you there's... brushed on some religious aspect of mushrooms earlier. You brushed yeah. on some alien aspect of mushrooms earlier. Exactly. There's two topics that I want to go into uh, and glance choose? at. Are you going to toss a coin? There's, no, there's two. There's two. We're going to look at both. Yeah, but which one first? Oh, okay. Um, let's get the religion one. Right, okay. Up. Um, so, through history, uh, there's there's a lot of... Well, apparently there's a lot of uh, alluding to fungi in religious cults, like the Aztecs used mushrooms to induce higher states. That was like their religion. They used mushrooms mm. in like uh, sacrilegious ways. Like shamans, like you said about shamans. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they seem like fun guys anyway. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Actually, no, there's three things I want to say about mushrooms, actually. Oh. Let's go even further back, actually. This, have you heard the stoned ape theory? No. This is uh, Terence McKenna. His, one of his theories that made him famous. Well, not famous, cult classic. Um, it's the theory... Basically, the, the another mystery is the human brain doubled in size... In a million years, it's the biggest. It's the biggest growth of a an, a mammal's organ mm-hmm. to date. It's the biggest growth. <laughs> so that's that's a mystery in itself, which is unexplained. Um, is this the video you were watching three minutes before we went on air? 
Oh, that was just that was a video that I've never seen before, but it's actually like a funny look at the Stone Ape Fury. So the Stone Ape Fury is basically um, Terence theorizes that when our ancestors uh, came down from the trees, the canopies, to start feeding on the grasslands, mm-hmm. dietary pressures meant they had to search for new areas of food. So they were exhausting every area for to try and find nourishment. And he theorizes that they could have come across um psilocybin mushrooms because they grow they um he's seen baboons on the plains of Africa tipping over cow pies to find beetle grubs, which is like a good source of protein, and mushrooms thrive in cow pies. Cow what while desperate Dan eats? In cow shit. Oh, but um, so yeah, so and and a few things that he uses to back up this theory. Uh, so his main theory is that the psilocybin mushroom could have facilitated our consciousness to grow. Mm. Uh, and the reason why the apes that would have taken them uh, eaten the mushroom as opposed to the ones he wouldn't have would have gone through evolution is that in low doses psilocybin increases visual acuity. So edge detection, which right. give you a good advantage being a hunter gatherer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so the monkeys would go and eat some mushrooms. Low doses, and would... then they'll be like on point for hunting. For low doses, yeah, yeah. It's like when you take, um, was it called bromazepam or whatever in Metal Gear Solid when you're trying to do a sniping. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so edge detection in low doses, higher doses than that, like still quite low, but. Uh, promotes uh, sex. Oh, so ooh. breeding, breeding. Yeah. So passing on the gene, which is the name of the game in evolution, and then in higher doses, obviously higher states of consciousness, which you know, thinking. Yeah, could have promoted thought and and all the rest of it. But mm. so that's the Stone Ape theory. His theory that mushrooms could have contributed to our evolution. Into conscious humans hand in from apes. Hmm. I've never heard Which that. is an interesting theory in itself. But yeah. I mean, that's going down the evolution route. And so. so what, we've got evolution, religion, and space. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's basically our podcast, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> the religion aspect, uh, there's a guy called John Marco Allegro who was on the committee. He was the only non priest to be on the committee. Uh, to translate the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? The old Gnostic and scriptures. And what, what are the Dead Sea Scrolls? It's the Gnostics. Uh, it's like a scripture written by the Gnostics, which are old, old, old Christ, like, kind of Christians. Would you say, Beef? Come on, um, very, very primitive versions of Christianity. Yeah, they, 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 they kind of pinpointed certain aspects of the Bible mm-hmm. that they liked. Mm-hmm. And created almost like their own religion from it. Okay. So they, they, yeah, they, they kind of, they didn't accept that God, in commas, God created man. Mm-hmm. They believed that there was a superior being, a superior being called Demiurge who created man. Is this your understanding as well, Tis? Kind of, yeah, yeah. And then, and then from that, but they believe that like matter is evil. Mm. Um, there's low. Yeah, we could talk for a long time. Yeah, they kind of believe that 
You're so educated. I think, did I mention this before? I think I might have spoke to you guys about it before, but the Garden of Eden being the snake being the good guy. Yeah, you mentioned this God today. being the bad guy, being the presence yeah, that it. kept these spiritual beings trapped in a matter body. And so the idea you're is... trying to... Yeah, so this is... I oh, see where you're going with this now. The because... apple opened their eyes. Right, and like, because he was being stifled. It was... Hmm. What they believed was that your flesh was evil because right. it was created by this this inferior being. So because it was evil, they believed your soul, however, was like holy, was like destined for heaven. Right. But that you had oh, you to, were almost trapped in this you body. You were trapped this in this fl- body of flesh evil prison. that you had to try and get out of. So they tried to like everything they could to get their their soul out of their like, evil flesh. Yeah, yeah. So they, well, they believed that in the Garden of Eden, the story of the Garden of Eden, that the snake was the good guy. He and the, and in the Bible, I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, but the the apple is never alluded to as an apple, is it? It's red. No, it's, it's a fruit. red fruit. It's eating the fruit of. Um, and the Gnostics, well, uh, John Marco Allegro translated the Dead Sea Scrolls as the apple being. Actually, the red mushroom, the one that you saw, the fly algorithm. Oh, yeah, I saw it. The Amani and Muscaria being, and it opening the eyes of an Adam and Eve, and, and that the Garden of Eden was like essentially the first, the world's first drug bust, <laughs> where God <laughs> got pissed off and threw him out of the Garden of Eden. So, John Marco Allegro's got a book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, which is like a book all about what he found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And. There's a video here, actually, we can watch. It's quite funny. There's a, there's some tenuous and some sort of like, well, incidentally, there's mushrooms in uh, pictures, like religious pictures. Mm-hmm. And some of them are quite funny, but some of them are just normal. Do you want me to put that video on the blog? We'll put it on the blog. We'll watch okay. it as well. The blog, by the way, is weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.blogspot.com. So you'll find this video and other things there. Excellent. <laughs> uh, and one other thing that John Marco Allegro, um, he translated... Um, and and this actually it's worth mentioning that John Marco Allegro is totally straight. He's totally like he doesn't do drugs. Mm-hmm. He's totally like an academic. And his his sort of in his defense, what he says is you know he come to this open minded, and he came away with this, and he didn't go there with this intention of you know, un- uncovering all this mushroom use agenda. agenda of mushroom use in 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 religion. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> he, he translated Christ back to an ancient Sumerian word, which meant a mushroom covered in God semen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's, that's kind of it on John Marco Allegro, his theory. Yeah. I mean, you, you should probably read his book if you're interested in that kind of thing. I'll put that on the blog as well. The Sacred What's... Mushroom and the Cross. It was actually, the book was banned for a long time. Okay. But it's unbanned. I'm sure now. it's on Amazon now. It's Amazon now, yeah. Do you want to show us this video? What's the video? Um, Beef, did you find them tenuous some mushrooms on the video? A little bit. A, a lot little. more. I think a lot more were tenuous than not. Yeah. And and yeah, I think a lot of the stained glass window paintings. Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it was pretty clasping with straws. Yeah. With no real grounding, it doesn't seem to. Um, I think a lot of it because it, a lot of it was like artists' impressions of things. Mm. In fact, all of it 
was artists' impressions of things. It was just, hmm. this is how to be in a mushroom. It's like, well, it was an artist's impression. It's not founded in anything. Um, have you ever heard about them saying that they're mushrooms instead of apples in the Garden of Eden? Well, the Bible doesn't say apple. No. It says fruit. Is mushroom a fruit, though? It's not. It's fungi. Yeah, it's it's says, not even a plant. It says fruit, doesn't it? It's kind of a vegetable, isn't it? It's its own thing. Uh, it's just yeah, totally... A fungi, a fungi, is, fungi is completely is totally different. different. Yeah, on its own. But yeah, it translates as fruit in most Bible translations. You probably have to find apple somewhere, but it's... Um, usually when we don't have the exact... Have you ever word. found it? That'd be banana or something. <laughs> no, no. Because <laughs> it's always... Fr- it's just... Don't eat... Well, some some translations just say don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do, do people, some people say, take that as like don't eat anything from a tree? No. No. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no, I guess you're so. the first. I've never... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've never come across anyone that's said it like that, but it's probably bound to be. Hmm. Extreme. There's extremes of everything. Yeah. Exactly. We've yeah. done that before. But it's just interesting. It's just one of those things I thought would have been good to highlight. Yeah, definitely. But... That's interesting. So... God, we're so far down this rabbit hole, I'm not well, that's sure. The, really, you were talking about the different aspects. There was the stone date. So we've got the stone date Ev- theory. Evolution, religion, space. Yeah. I'm trying to extrapolate some sort of point out of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, well, it's this point. Yeah, it's just it's it's weird tales. It's mm. weird tales of it's mushrooms. It's weird tales of mushrooms, yeah. That is weird. It is the mystery that... Yeah, it's unexplainable, mate. It's the side of it that is basically... Yeah, it's it's like people. Most people sort of see psychedelics, and they don't, you know, whatever. But it's like there's a whole uh, mythology around psychedelics. Well, like I said, um, when you first mentioned this episode, and I even said at the beginning of this episode, when you said I'm going to do an episode on psychedelics, mm-hmm. I'm like drugs. Oh, I'm going to do one on hash next week. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't yeah, sound yeah, like yeah. something that's mm. a weird tale and the unexplainable. You don't realize how many weird things and unexplainable stories come out of yeah, the yeah, use definitely. of psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. And the search of the psychedelic experience. Mm. Um, I was completely unaware of the um, the mushroom stories from the Garden of Eden, and I had never even heard of DMT and the things that people will experience when they take that and um, mm. things related to that. And, and ayahuasca. And what you're going to say next about space. I'd yeah, never yeah. Heard of. Well, one interesting thing about mushrooms is the spores. This is scientifically true as well, whatever yes. scientifically true means anyway. But uh, the spores can survive in a, a vacuum, mm. which essentially means if I was to say they came on an asteroid, uh, the, the scientifically that could be a case. It's completely scientifically possible that, that they mushrooms from are space. alien. Yeah, yeah. They well, they could have come from out of space. <laughs> whether they are the alien species themselves, whether they were sent from an alien species to communicate with the monkeys on planet Earth to open our minds, to communicate with us mm. across vast dimensions. So you take a mushroom, and what you're seeing, well, what you is alien worlds. You could be put into a place where you can communicate with these aliens. Or it could be the alien communicating with you directly. It could be non, you know, it could be the mushroom is the alien. So, um, so the mushroom could be an alien, mm-hmm. or is of alien form. 
Yeah. And it's it's I suppose that within that theory is that is that what they what they're saying is this like they would land on Earth and eventually at some point in time mm-hmm. the monkey's gonna eat them. Could be. They're sending them our way to be like expand. Maybe, yeah. They could expand consciousness, they could I mean there's a million different things they could be I mean, should I? So you're saying they could uh, to to mushroom communicate themselves, communicate with aliens. So when you take mushrooms and you're having a trip, mm-hmm. it's a form of communication with alien beings. Could be. <laughs> That's mad. It's something that you've never. <laughs> it's it's interesting there. Right? I am. Um, he he said this to me the other day, and I've been waiting for your reaction. <laughs> I've been waiting because when he told me, pretty much my reaction is what you've got now. Um, it's like, but I'm. The thing is, I'm coming from it from a place where I don't disbelieve or believe anything of that magnitude. The fact that it's possible is interesting I, enough to me. I love that that's a theory. I love that that is possible. The fact that it's possible, scientifically, that the spores can travel in a vacuum across space. Yeah. Even if I'm, like, 99% sure it's completely not true, I love that scientifically it's completely possible that that is true. I love that we live in a world that crazy. And while um, dimethyltryptamine is found in most, well, all plants, you know, large quantities, small quantities, all beings, um, psilocybin, well, chemicals in the plant world are always found in each other or higher plants. Mm -hmm. Psilocybin is found in no other plant in the world yet to be discovered. I mean, there's other plants. There's it could be discovered tomorrow in a higher plant. What is only found in mushrooms? Only found in that. That type of mushroom. What about normal mushrooms? Yeah. If they're sent from aliens, why are there mushrooms that are just like, hmm, that's tasty? Well. Yeah. Exactly. But And why are there ones that kill you? Well. <laughs> <laughs> You're just asking more questions. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't have the answers to. Mm. Um, yeah, what's the difference between my sort of like garden variety mushrooms that I chop up and put on toast? You put mushrooms on toast. You not have fried mushrooms. On I toast? don't eat mushrooms. Oh yeah, of mushrooms. course you don't. Yeah. I love mushrooms. I know you, you do, mate. That's why you went to the episode. <laughs> um, but I suppose it's the same as there being different varieties of anything. Mushrooms on toast. Mushrooms on toast. That's the name of the yeah. episode. It's probably a good time to go over to Terence. I'll make Terence. Oh, has a, he got something else for us? He's 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 once again at the forefront of this alien. Extraterrestrial oh, mushroom thing. Take it away, Terry. We're seriously interested in this question of extraterrestrial penetration of the human world on two grounds immediately the mushroom bears looking at. First argument, entirely a physical argument. Psilocybin is for phosphoryloxy, NN-dimethyltryptamine. What this means is, is that there is a phosphorus group substituted at the four position of the molecule. Now, here's the headline, folks. This is the only four phosphorylated indole on this planet. On this planet. Now, If you were searching for extraterrestrial thumbprints on the biology of Earth, 
you would look for molecules that are unique, that cannot, don't have mere relatives spread through other life forms. In psilocybin, we have a perfect example of this. It is the only four-phosphorylated indole known to occur in nature. Nature doesn't work like that, folks. Nature builds always on what has previously been accomplished. So this is a red flag saying at the molecular level, this thing looks like an alien artifact at the molecular level. What troubles me about the, UF, the current state of UFO modeling is how incredibly pedestrian the alien is assumed to be. I mean, their little gray suits, their charmingly slanted eyes, their cheerful interest in our reproductive capacity. I mean, I think that the alien will be so alien that your jaw will hang in the air. And expecting to meet an anthropoid-like alien with an interest in your reproductive machinery and gross industrial capacity is as culture-bound a concept as searching NGC 321 for a good Italian restaurant. It's absurd on the face of it. Let us for a moment hypothesize aliens. If we are in fact being penetrated by a non-human intelligence that presumably somehow, perhaps not physically, but perhaps physically, can cross from star to star, then we are dealing with something vastly more sophisticated than ourselves. That's just given at the get-go. Well, if it's vastly more advanced than we are, then DNA sequencing, uh, complete understanding of the molecular genesis of thought, so forth and so on, would be no problem for that level of technical sophistication. The species that holds that technology can design itself. It is not subject to the tyranny of whatever form it inherits from the evolutionary processes of its home planet. Even we in our primitive state are on the brink of being able to design ourselves uh, through genetic manipulation. Therefore, look at Stropharia cubensis, the psychedelic mushroom. Spores are the most... Uh, electron-dense organic material known. The electron density of the outer case of a spore approaches that of a metal. A single mushroom in the sporulation phase can shed up to three million spores a minute for up to six weeks. One mushroom can do this. I maintain, following Bracewell, that a strategy for extraterrestrial contact carried on by a super technology would take the following form. Build a probe. Give the probe the ability to replicate itself. Start these probes out from your home planet and at every, say, every half AU or something, the probe replicates so that the volume of probes stays constant as the volume of space increases. 
if you're carrying out an exhaustive search of the galaxy for life, it's very hard to imagine a civilization that could visit every star and monitor every star over long periods of time. A much more efficient strategy would be the phone home strategy. You send essentially a credit card which says if you get this message, call the enclosed toll-free number and immediately report your location. We will come at that point. That's, I think, what's going on. As you know, the world's largest radio telescope is at Arecibo, Puerto Rico. And as you probably know, a multi-million channel analyzer has been attached to that thing, and there's been funding for another deep space search. And so there they are at Arecibo with the world's largest radio telescope reaching out, you know, mega marubi sticks into the universe. <laughs> when you actually go there, the telescope was built into a natural bowl which they made further, they rounded out, and then they planted grass in this bowl to halt erosion. Well, then to keep the grass from getting out of hand, they brought in white cows to crop the grass. So they're in the grass beneath the world's largest radio telescope engaged in searching for extraterrestrial life is the mushroom in great profusion. If you wanted it, that's where you'd go and get it. And that is the perfect symbol for how we search for extraterrestrial life. Uh, it's at your feet, my friends. Thank you very, very much. What do you think to that? Kind of opens up a whole can of worms for me about aliens and my thought on aliens. Uh, you know what? A lot of stuff, ignoring the mushroom side of what he was saying about aliens, that's always what I think about aliens. People expect aliens to look like us well, why would you even think that mm. oh there can't be life on that planet because there's no oxygen what and you think an alien needs oxygen yeah. how close minded can you be exactly. um, but that's a whole other topic I mean we're nine episodes into this series now eight episodes in mm. and we haven't even touched on aliens which you would think would be like one of the first things we talked about but we've got so much lined up eventually folks <laughs> one day We'll talk about aliens and UFOs and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what he was saying about aliens, ignoring the mushroom stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I can can completely go along with that. Beef, what are you going to say? My issue with aliens is that you, you get... We, we always seem to go to that they're more advanced, that they have a much better grasp on the molecular systems, that... That they have an interest in in um, in our biology and and how we live and all that kind of stuff. We never seem to comprehend that that the aliens are out there somewhere, but that they're just discovering fire. Yeah, I mean, that's my. I only think that problem. when when he said about them being more advanced than us, I think he was talking about specifically if they are sending mushrooms to us as a form of communication or whatever then the aliens that sent them must be more advanced. But I'm sure there's, as everyone's gonna, everyone says, if you believe there's no life outside of Earth, you're completely ignorant. Mm. Um, 
And I'm sure there are more advanced, and there's less advanced, and there's a bit of everything. And some planets just have microbes, and some have mm. beings yeah. of just energy and light, and some uh, like one hive mind consciousness. Yeah, I'm just something. I'm agreeing with you in the sense that people are closed minded by saying, "Oh, aliens are always going to be much more advanced than us and have better technology." Big, like Chrome Dome. Yeah, it's like well, no, they're like they're not. Like the aliens are not always going to be more intelligent, more advanced beings. They I, could be. I put it to you guys that what if what if they're both? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. More like, than one alien. Be, that's exactly yeah, that's what, what we said. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could be more there advanced are beings. more advanced and less advanced. I think the and... only assumption that they're more advanced is if they find us first, then yeah. by association they are more advanced. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Find... If they send yeah, mushrooms yeah. to us in hopes of con- literally contacting us, they're sent to us mm. for a reason, they're mm. more advanced. What he's basically saying is the mushroom is an organic probe. <clears throat> yeah. You know, because technology yeah. and computers are something that could be totally unique to this planet. Yeah. We, d- we don't have a grasp on organic, you know, plants themselves, and this is a whole other topic. I don't know if it's really an unexplained mystery. It kind of is, but I don't know if we'll touch on it in the pod, but plants are a mystery to us mm. do you know what I mean I in my theory is that plants have been around a lot longer than us and they're actually like a lot more advanced than we are because mm. they can create their own food they can well you think eventually we'll live constantly well no I, I I don't think we will but I think they are a higher prime, higher being than us the same as we've got like the internet which is our yeah. communication with each other because yeah. you think like the internet is really understated. The internet is like connected all of us together, mm. like this big web of like roots, mm. like the plant kingdom. They are all like what I was saying connected about hive to mind. each other. Yeah, hive mind. Yeah. But with with the with this theory, mm-hmm. if if that is the way that aliens are choosing to communicate with us, mm-hmm. don't you think that's a very lazy way to go about it? To the thing is, it's, it's what's normal on your planet. To them, that might be the complete yeah, logical so, yeah. thing, mightn't it? And I suppose it their might time be like, well, it's a mushroom, of course. It's like us sending a laptop up and being like, of course they know what that is. They're going to contact us like with a satellite. laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would look at that and be like, why are they sent us a sheet of mail? It's, yeah, I yeah. love that it's a theory, yeah. and I don't... Like, I, I love that we live in a world where you can say whatever you want, yeah. really. Mm. But I don't... I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I don't want to hear. About, I, I don't, don't think every opinion. I don't think anyone has. I mean, I don't agree. I don't believe the mushroom is an alien, but also I can't rule it out. So yeah, that's it's what really saying. interesting. Ninety nine percent of me is like, well, that's nonsense. But mm-hmm. I like that one percent has to like let it go because it's possible. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give anything a chance that is possible. I'll hear it out. I can easily see the funny side of it, and at the same time see the serious side. <laughs> of yeah, it, me where too. it's like, well, it, it could be. Yeah. I think that at the end of the day, we don't know anything. That is the only belief I have. In summary, we don't know nothing. Basically, humans know absolutely nothing no. about what's going on at all. <laughs> so anything's possible. And in a way, that kind of makes our podcast, the longevity of our podcast, that more long because everything is unexplained. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing episodes on like plants soon. Like you said, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, is you, have you got anything else to say about mushrooms, Tizzy? Um, no, not really. I've got more stories, but I think we've we've covered some cool mysteries. Yeah. Well, if topic's over, mm-hmm. 
You know what it's time for? Ghost Story of the Week. Ghost Story of the Week. And what I'm going to do is, um, last week on the Haunted Houses episode, we spoke to Janine and we spoke to Ross and Ashley. And um, when we spoke to them, Ross actually told us um, a, a short story of, from his childhood of experience with a ghost oh. and I'm going to lay that in right now like when I was young um, my parents we moved into a home in an area where it was all uh, RAF pilots after the war the government gave them land so they all lived together and at this time they still well, the ones that are alive still live there and so the house we bought was a guy who was in um, the RAF and uh, his wife sold the home after he had passed away and I lived in the basement. And so at night, I would always hear, because uh, my bed would go against the wall. On the other side of the wall was a tool shop, and my dad would, that's where he was allowed to smoke. So he would smoke in there, and he would, you know, just, so he'd fix guitars, things like that. But the owner also used the same room for the same thing. And at night, I would always hear, very lightly but present, music playing, but not, like, top 40 or anything current. It was all old jazz, old swing. And I was always way too scared to go in there, but it never felt dangerous you know and at times you would you would hear things shuffling in there and stuff like that but you know in our house like no one ever really talked about it a whole lot now we do a little bit more where my parents say yeah it was him but he, we never felt it was dangerous or anything like that but um the, you know and that's something i got used to so then i would just my habits were in high school i would stay up until three in the morning until when i knew i went to bed it would take me five minutes to go to sleep i had to lay awake at all right and then get up at seven and go to school at five um, so thanks again to um, Ross for sharing that with us. Really appreciate it. And um, we still have the one from Armand, who we spoke to on the Sleep Paralysis episode. I'll put that in, in uh, probably the next episode. I had. I'll put that together as well. Um, as always, keep sending your ghost stories. Or We've had some interesting links sent to us and subjects. And some people just message us to say they like the show. And just contact us about anything, because we really do appreciate hearing from all of you um the email address is unexplainableuk at mail.com every episode i do a blog with links and videos and recommendations on the whatever the latest episode was whatever the topic was and that is at weird tales and the unexplainable.blogspot.com um, you can find us on itunes stitcher uh podomatic run or subscribe you already know that you're already listening and if you want to donate um, and help us out that's obviously very lovely of you um, if you go to unexplainable.podomatic.com on the right hand side there's a little button that says donate via PayPal and click on that have, we got, have we got anything else? oh and you can tweet us but I never really give our Twitter out <laughs> nah got no time if you want to add me I'm at Bob Shoy um, anything else guys? nope I'm all good so until next time have fun, guys. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 